You are listening to the Zen Nova Scotia podcast with talks by Cone Franz. These talks are made possible in part by generous donations from our listeners. To find out how to support and take part in our community, visit zennovascotia.com. A couple days ago, a picture went by on Facebook that I've seen a number of times, or I've seen variations on this a number of times. It was very cute. It was a a, a young woman, and she had uh, she was wearing kind of kooky sunglasses, and she had kind of fun clothes on. I I can't, and she's jumping in the air, and under it said, "Do what makes you happy." And my first response when I saw it was, well, that's ridiculous. <laughs> so I thought I would talk about that a little bit. There's a frame, I think, around, well, I'll start with Buddhism. Uh, that we sometimes see in Buddhism that suggests that Buddhism is about happiness. Right? We hear that the Buddhism is the art of happiness, or that uh, what's really being discovered through Buddhist practice is some kind of true happiness. And I think there's a very relevant and a very important conversation to be had around that idea, especially this notion of true happiness, this notion that that maybe what we call happiness or what we identify happiness in our normal lives is not really the point. That there's something else that we might also call happiness, but that we're missing. That's a good conversation, but that's a different conversation. In the culture at large as well, we're told that happiness is, is really everything. And we talk about this in terms of relationships. And, and when we talk about our children, we say, well, you know, I don't care if my, if my kid goes to college, I just want her to be happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, or we say to the person we love, we say, well, whatever makes you happy. Yeah. And that feels like a very... Uh, a very meaningful aspiration. But I think it's problematic in a lot of ways. And none of this is to say that there's something wrong with feeling happy. But what if, for example, being generous doesn't make you feel happy? What if being generous just doesn't do it for you? Does that mean that you shouldn't be generous? That's ridiculous. <laughs> there is no evidence for me in, in, in my life, in 25 years of doing this practice, to suggest that this practice is aiming at happiness. Not to say that it's aiming at the opposite of happiness but that the experience of this practice is often something like the opposite of happiness. 
you can feel exposed, you can feel raw. There's nothing giddy about it. I love this practice. I love sitting in this way. I love Zazen. I, I wouldn't say that Zazen makes me happy. In fact, I'm not sure that I could say that at any moment in my life that Zazen has made me happy. I think it's helped make me honest, but I don't think it's made me happy. When we use any measurement for our lives, any metric, our lives become very, very small. And Dogen talks about this all the time, saying, you know, whatever you do, don't measure zazen, don't measure practice, don't measure your life. Don't give yourself a grade. That's a very narrow way of thinking. But it's very hard to get away from the idea that we should be measuring our lives according to happiness. If I'm successful, I should be happy. Right? In fact, being happy should be part of the measurement of being successful. But again, I don't think that's honest. I have, and I was, I was just talking about this the other day, a huge part of my understanding of my life is, and this is especially true now, I think, um, because I have children, and, and uh, that tends to compartmentalize your life a little bit. I love my children. It, it, seems, it sounds so unimpressive to say that. But the experience of it is, is not unimpressive. It's, it's really powerful. And, and I'm surprised. I was just saying to my wife the other day, I'm surprised now that our son is seven and a half years old that nothing diminishes. You know, I used to look at him when he was six months old and he was a little tiny guy. And I would think, when do you lose this feeling of awe? You know, when do you lose this, this, this feeling of, of, uh, that you're almost being crushed by this other person, you know? And then he gets to be one year old and then he's two years old and then he's three years old and now he's seven and a half years old. And he, he drives me completely crazy. And yet that experience hasn't changed at all. I look at him and I just think, wow, you know? And my daughter is the same. I can't believe how much I like her as a person, you know. I look at my children and I look at my, my, my wife and we live in this, this nice home, in this nice neighborhood, and we live in this beautiful country. And I can have these moments of sitting on the deck and watching everyone play and thinking, I am really, really happy. This is great. Everything's great. I can actually have that moment any day. But at the same time, when I'm driving to work or, or when I'm walking down the street and I'm thinking about my life and I'm thinking about the things that I wanted to do, I'm thinking about the things that have already kind of passed for me, 
the the things that that maybe you know maybe if I'd started this project ten years ago, I'd be on track. But now, really, I just need to let go of it. When I think of the things that I tried to do well and 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 just didn't, or the things that I thought I would live up to and and failed, uh, there's another lens through which I look at my life and I feel like a complete failure. And there's just so much disappointment. But what I want to say about this is that that's life. Both of these things coexist. I don't have to choose one. We think we have to choose one. We think that we have to have a story about our lives. And so when we're asked, you know, what's your assessment of your life at the end? We either have to say, oh, I'm a failure, or we have to say, oh, it was great. But that's dishonest. I can see how it's going. And at the end, the assessment will be, it was great, and I really feel like I screwed it up. You know? I had so much joy and I had so much regret. And neither one has to cancel the other one out. The other one out. They can't. That isn't how it works. And so this happiness it's there. But if I insist on that, I miss the complexity of my life. And if I get mired in what feels like the complexity of my life, then I miss the fact that I'm also happy. (laughs) Happiness, as I understand it, is never something that you earn. It's never something that you deserve. It's never something that you even cultivate. It's something that you notice. Happiness is just there. You can get better at noticing it. You know, you can get better at denying that it's not. You know, you can get better at at, uh, at not denying its existence, which we sometimes do. But it doesn't come from something. In the same way that fear doesn't come from something, and anger doesn't come from something, and sadness doesn't come from something. It's part of being a three-dimensional being. Hmm? That you are at all times holding all of these things. And you can choose to zero in on any one of them. I think sometimes that we do therapy wrong. If I'm angry and I can't seem to get past the fact that I'm angry, then I go to someone and I say, I'm so angry. And the person says, let's look at that. Let's look at being angry. That can be useful, that you can, you can come out the other side of that. But But what I want to suggest is that maybe instead of looking at the thing that we already can't stop looking at, we start asking ourselves, what is it that I can't see because I'm looking at this? 
what aspect of my reality is obscured, is hidden from my view because I'm so focused on this one aspect of my experience. I don't mean this to say that it's simply that we choose our emotions and that it's simple. It's not like that. We get trapped. You know, that's, it's, it's not as easy as saying, oh, now I'll look over there. But I think it's critical if, if we start to adopt this view to start to make it a habit of reminding ourselves that when we are feeling trapped in this, if we're feeling sad and we just can't seem to see beyond sad, to remind ourselves, at least intellectually, that this is not all that's going on. It's impossible. It's impossible that I'm only sad. It's impossible that I'm only angry. Just like it's impossible that I'm only happy in that magical moment when everything is perfect. I remember when I was very young being in a, in a, a relationship, it was a new relationship and it was so exciting. And I remember walking down the street with her and we were holding hands. It was nighttime. And I looked up and I thought, this is happiness. Now I know what happiness is. This is it. I've arrived. And it felt really good. I can still remember, I can remember the, the, the lamppost. I can see the whole thing. It's burned in my mind. I can, I can see the, the, the shop that was on the corner. But then as soon as I didn't feel that way, what I determined was that things were failing. Right? I thought I was happy, but I'm not happy. Because today... I don't feel that way. This metric broke everything. I'm assuming we're laughing because we're all guilty of this. <laughs> right? And I look back and I think, how stupid was I? And she did it too. I know she did. Right? Because we had this, we had this beautiful moment in the beginning where we were floating all the time. Right? And as soon as it wasn't like that, it was broken. <laughs> we couldn't move into something that was more complicated than delirium. <laughs> we want to know who we are. And we do this not just with happiness, but with sadness and with anger. Right? If sadness, if, if, if disappointment, if, if uh, resentment, if any of these things become your defining trait, then looking past them or recognizing that they're actually just a minor part of who you are is like saying that you don't exist. It's painful and it's frightening. But we have to do it. If we're honest people, we have to do it. I don't mean... It wasn't my intention tonight to make Zazen kind of the, the punchline of this or something, because that's sometimes that's 
that doesn't feel right. But, but it's reasonable to point out that when we sit in this way, if we're really just doing this one thing, and if we're really open as we do it, then I think we see this fairly clearly. We recognize the multitudes. We recognize, not just emotionally, that we are many things at once, but that psychologically we are many things at once. Right? And I've, I've talked about this a number of times. There are the parts of your personality that you want to show and, and that you want to hold up as being you and that you want to keep very close to the surface. And there are other parts of your personality that you would rather not have bubbled to the top. It would be better for you if maybe no one saw those. And it might be really nice, actually, if you didn't see those. But when you sit down and you turn down the volume and there's nothing else coming in, you see them all. And you see that your impulse to help the person who lives next door to you lives right next door to the part of you that has an impulse to hurt someone. And then you stand up and you go about your life and hopefully you choose to act on one over the other. But they're both there. I asked my wife before I came, I said, what should I say about happiness tonight? And she said, tell them it's overrated. Which is the short version of everything I think I just said. But as, as we move forward, not just in this room, but in any room, I, I encourage you, I invite you to to notice when you're using that metric, that particular one, because it's kind of insidious. When you're using happiness as the way to measure your life or to measure your success, or as a way of forecasting your day, right? So if you're happy, you'll think, well, today's going to be a good day. And then you behave in the way that someone would if today were going to be a good day. And then you follow through on that and the day turns out to be a pretty decent day. Right? And then the next day you don't feel happy and you say, well, you know what? Today's kind of a bust. And the day just ends up exactly the way that you thought it would. I invite you to look past that. And when you ask yourself, am I happy right now? Maybe, maybe just kind of respond to yourself, ah, who, who cares? What am I doing? What am I doing and for whom? And just see what that turns into. I'll stop there.
For more information about Zen, our practice, and how you can support and take part in our community, please visit zennovascotia.com.